and welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro, a monthly film club podcast about Japanese movies. I'm your host for this episode, Scott Dryman, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Joey Weiser. Hey, Scott. Hey. And Alex Kazanis. Hello, Scott. Howdy. Uh, this month, we watched a movie called Wood Job, The Easy Life in Kamasuri. This is our first listener suggested film suggested by Jason Rainey on Twitter. Thank you so much. Uh, I think we uh, we all enjoyed this one a lot. So yeah, yeah. I I already am into this practice of getting people to suggest something that we wouldn't have thought of already. Well, for sure. Uh, so uh, Wood Job came out in 2014. Uh, it's the the full Japanese title is Wood Job. Kamasuri Nana Nichijo. Uh, it's adapted from a book of the same name by an uh, author named Shion Mira, who is pretty critically acclaimed for her novels and essays. Uh, the the uh, screenplay was adapted by the director, Shinobu Yaguchi, who is better known for, or also known for, directing the movies Waterboys and Swing Girls. Yeah, Swing Girls is also on our list of recommendations, so we may cover that in the future. And I've actually seen Water Boys as well. That's a really fun comedy, kind of similar in tone to this. Mm. Got uh, Naoto Takenaka in it. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a hallmark of Yaguchi's films seems to be uh, coming-of-age stories about people put in situations they're not exactly competent in. I think Water Boys is about a high school swim team that ends up having to do synchronized swimming instead of racing. Mm-hmm. And uh, swing girls is about a bunch of girls who accidentally give the school band food poisoning and have to create their own band. <laughs> um, and the uh, log line for this movie huh, is a uh, young boy ends up uh, going into forestry Um and uh, figuring things out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, some other notable cast from the movie. Uh, Yuki Hirano is played by Shota Somatari, who's our, our protagonist. Shota Somatari is, uh, seems like kind of a rising star. He most, most of his credits are within the past uh, six or seven years. His big breakout role seems to have been in a movie called Himizu, which is I've seen described as emotionally devastating, which is a big, big difference from the comedic role he mm. plays in this film. He's also uh, in Tokyo Tribe, which Joey can tell us a little more about that role. The uh, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a, an interesting role. He yeah, he's his character in particular stood out to me. He's kind of a narrator character that weaves in and out of the uh, stories and locations and. Um, and is, uh, if I recall correctly, one of the better rappers too. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, it actually, uh, just, sorry. It, it just, uh, it, that stood out to me. I kept being kind of like, oh, this guy looks familiar to me. And then it was in that scene, which we'll get to later where he's kind of saying, like joking around being like, uh, you know, no car or like no buses, no convenience <laughs> stores, blah, blah, blah. Kind of like, 
felt like a similar cadence to oh, how it would uh, rap occasionally in the uh, Tokyo Tribe. Um, he's also in the live adaptation of the manga Parasite, which I have not seen, uh, but I enjoyed the manga. And he is the husband of Rinko Kikuchi, who people may recognize from oh. Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I I looked him up, too. I saw that he was also, he played uh, Nizuma Eiji in the live-action version of Bakuman, um, which is a cartoonist character who is uh, often thought to be inspired by Eiichiro Oda. So. <laughs> interesting. Thing. I, I hadn't really had much um, interest in seeing that Bakuman movie, but I love the comics. Uh, but knowing that he's in it and that he plays this, like, character that's a really fun character makes me kind of want to see it a little bit more hmm. uh our female lead uh naoki ishii in the film is played by masami nagasawa who i did not recognize for anything uh she apparently plays one of or going through her film filmography the things i recognized were she plays one of the uh fairy twins from mothra in mm. godzilla final uh-huh. wars and is okay. also the uh, voice actress for the protagonist on the Ghibli film Up on Poppy Hill. Oh. Yeah, she was in Your Name as well as one of the main characters. Mm. The smash hit of yeah. last year. Biggest film ever in Japan, which I, I, I know we're uh, trying to avoid dipping into anime, but that one seems worth talking about for how big mm. it is. Mm. Um, the, uh, the secondary male lead, uh, Yoki Ida, who's the big burly mountain man is played by Hideaki Ito, who is, uh, I recognize from Sukiyaki Western Django and the very unfortunate, uh, Takashi Miike Terraformars live action adaptation. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's great, but I can't recommend that movie <laughs> whatsoever. And, uh, yeah, I've seen Sukiyaki Western Django, but I don't remember it well enough to pick him out. Um, but he was great in this. Uh, and then uh, the the last notable cast member uh, was uh, the city councilman Toshiro Yamane, played by Akira Imoto, who people may recognize as Toho Yara alum as Pops in the in uh, Zatoichi. Uh, yeah, and in Shaoi Dance as well. Yep, yeah, and uh, also in uh, uh, in Shin Godzilla as some high up councilman in that as well, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. He's, uh, I think he's kind of on his way to being one of our most reoccurring actors. Well, at least mm-hmm. in this era of movies. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's got a very good business, like sour face <laughs> thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so getting into the film itself, uh, we begin with shot of everybody celebrating their college entrance exams and uh, we close in on our protagonist, Yuki, who is visibly crestfallen at having failed his exam. A uh, friend goes up and tries to ask him and then realizes and apologizes and walks away. Uh, then cuts to quickly to his uh, girlfriend, Reina, who clearly did get in to college and uh, tells Yuki that she needs some space. Mm. And so crestfallen over not getting in uh, passing his entrance exams and being dumped by his girlfriend. He goes out with his friends who are celebrating 
to karaoke and gets trashed. And as they're walking home near dawn, he uh, sees a a a stack or a, a rack of flyers for uh, non college, I guess, things that you could do. And decides to spit out his gum and just pick whatever it lands on, which it initially lands on a flyer for the Japanese Self-Defense Force, which he <laughs> curses it's at. It's so funny. Uh, um, so I'm in yeah. the middle of playing Persona 5 right now. And um, one, of the thing, one, of the, uh, one of the things you do in that game is in order to apply for part-time jobs, you have to go to uh, uh, the, um, the train station and look through leaflets to apply for jobs. And that's the first thing <laughs> that this reminded me of. Oh, yeah, nice. I love the sort of introduction of it kind of reinforcing that he's just sort of a shitty punk kid being kind of like he spits his gum out and <laughs> whatever lands will be what he does. But then once he sees the army, he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, thanks. Like he, he he's super does. He's just so disinterested and doesn't care. And just like it's like, well, anything. But what that. I love about him is he's not but, uh, like the like the Yankee slacker. Like he's just like mm-hmm. this is just like a doughy, nerdy, like lazy, lazy kid. <laughs> like he doesn't. Yeah, he's real like goofy and witless. Yeah. It's it's more like a a sidekick character almost than a protagonist. Yeah, he doesn't seem like um he doesn't seem like you know your classic uh pr- uh troublemaker stereotype. Yeah, he felt very real to me, not like mm-hmm. a cartoon. Um, he, he, his facial expressions, uh, which I love are a little bit cartoony, but yeah, he, everything in this movie, even the sillier parts, uh, for the most part feel very real. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, that self-defense force leaflet falls over revealing a single leaflet for a one year forestry program featuring a girl on it that he is just immediately taken by. And so, uh, being told by his friends that there are other fish in the sea, he decides to go pursue this and chase after pursue forestry and chase after this girl. And we get blinding light, which I assume is supposed to be dawn breaking, and uh, get a title sequence of everything super super busy in uh, I can't tell what city this is, uh, but uh, but how busy city life is, uh, mm-hmm. and the featured song for the film which is The Happiest Fool by Maya Hirasawa Bussin. We built this house together now I would be a liar if I told you It's been so easy all the time For seven years without a struggle But we built this house and we come this far Which I tried to figure out why this song, how this song made it into the movie, because uh, Maya Hirasawa is half Japanese, but she is a Swedish musician. Oh, that's interesting. So I was trying to find the link between uh, how uh, how Shinobi Yukichi came across her and decided to use this song, which it's a very fun, yeah. like upbeat pop song. It is. Song. As soon as this song started, I'm like, I think I'm gonna like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that whole sequence where it's, is this the sequence where it's kind of whatever they do where they like affix the camera to the person so it's kind of yeah. like following them around? I really like, yeah, it, that was like a good sign. I was kind of like, all right, settle in. This is going to be fun. 
Yeah, it's a, a camera strapped to his chest, just showing him navigating effortlessly through the city with his like McDonald's that he is snacking on on the way to the train station. And uh, and then we get him hanging out on a series of trains as the uh, the kind of background gets more and more rural and the trains get uh, less and less fancy uh, until he finally arrives uh, out in the country at a microscopic train station on a single car train, which is hilarious. Yeah. It, it appears that he gets out of the, uh, gets out of the train prematurely, right? Like, like this isn't the stop that he's supposed to go on, but he's, he get, gets a call from Reyna. Uh, no, it, he says, this is my stop, but he's on the phone, uh, with Reyna as, as the train pulls right. in and he's telling her this, hold on, this is my stop. And then immediately loses all cell reception. Once he gets out, ah, uh, see, uh, see, I uh, first I figured that like, oh, oh, she's calling me, so I need to talk to her. But oh no, we're not getting cell reception. Let me get out of the train, and then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just it's it just, uh, just yeah. seems like happenstance. What comes after? Um, yeah, he's supposed to get off here, but it is it is very hilarious when he immediately gets out and realizes how tiny the train station is, and he's in the middle of nowhere. He hears some animal noise out in the in the woods and is startled, sprays himself down with bug spray because they're mosquitoes, and then promptly drops his phone in some water, uh, which he is upset by, and he immediately decides that he wants to go back but realizes the next train's not for six hours. <laughs> I want to point out that he um, makes really loud, comical, like, anime-type noises uh, in this movie. Like, when he drops his phone in the water, he's just like, Oh! <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, he's he's very animated. And yeah, there's there's a, we talked about the realism, but there is a good bit of like slapstick in this. Um, yeah, I guess just what I meant is that he seems like a like a real yeah. He may act crazy, but he his motivation and stuff felt yeah. very realistic and a little more subtle than uh, just like a crazy Yankee gangster guy yeah he's a believable character like a a believable person even if the movie is a little silly at times um so after after this series of events with him uh dropping his phone realizing he's stuck there the instructor for the forestry service comes up and he's uh goes to introduce himself freezes and uh, Yuki is just confused by this entire sequence. And then the, uh, the instructor goes and picks up a pit viper and stuffs it <laughs> in a bottle, uh, effectively having like maybe saved Yuki's life without him realizing. But another thing like this movie is just going to hammer home, home how rural and out of place Yuki feels with all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and is a little like, foreshadowing for later in the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so as he's driving, the instructor drives him to the forestry instruction building, uh, explain to him that like all these city folk are alike and that they all come up here thinking they know how this works. And a lot of them are going to wash out. Uh, Yuki is hit in the face by a branch as he's, as they're driving along. And uh, we get to see the rest of his uh, his classmates, which are a pretty motley crew of 
of, uh, of folks. And the instructor explains that it's people who couldn't get into college or are going back to school for a different uh, career or just don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, and kind of at this point, I was settling in to watch all of them grow together and kind of that be the journey mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, uh, yeah they and they do a good job of like there's one guy that that is uh, was in the, the self-defense force, another guy in the back who looks like a, an actual punk, mm-hmm. like delinquent type. Uh, there's pretty early on a guy established as the know-it-all. And uh, so uh, as he's settling in, he asks the instructor uh, where the girl from the flyer is. And the instructor points out the fine print at the bottom of the flyer, which says the picture is for illustrative purposes only. (laughs) Yeah, I like that you think that you, that this guy thinks that he would go to school and immediately run into the beautiful woman on the poster. (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, It does say at the beginning, at the top of the flyer that this was a trainee of this program. mm -hmm. But it's so funny that it like, it's so goofy and, and shiftless that this is why he decided to join the program. <laughs> but uh, he kind of sticks around and we get a few training sequences of like him learning about actual forestry stuff. And I want to point out like all of the, the actual forestry and, and lumber work type stuff in this movie is pretty meticulously researched and really accurate. Hmm. Uh, it is something that, that Yaguchi really wanted to, to double down on. And as well, the novel that it's based on, uh, Shion Mira's uh, grandfather, I believe, was uh, was a uh, I I can't think of a better word than lumberjack, but uh, her, yeah, her her uh, her grandfather was a woodsman, and a lot of that kind of stuff was based on on things from that. Uh, so he wanted that all that stuff to be authentic. Uh, as well as he wa- really wanted to capture the beauty of the forest, the natural beauty of the forest, and made a point of using as little CG as he possibly could throughout the entire movie. Um, uh, so we get through this training sequence, and uh, uh, this is the first time we get to to see uh, Yoki, the uh, Yoki Ida, and. Yoki and Yuki are, are really close, so I think I'm just going to call him Ida. Okay. Yeah, we had uh, Tetsu and Tatsu last episode. Now we've got Yuki and Yoki. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it doesn't help that the uh, uh, Nakamura's wife is uh, Yuko, so <laughs> well, it's just yeah. so many. <laughs> um, but uh, Ida shows up to demonstrate how to actually do a, a wedge cut with a chainsaw, and... He is, he is very nonplussed to be there among all these new recruits acting dumb. And uh, Yuki earns his particular desire or er, er, particular ire uh, when uh, Ida cuts down the tree and Yuki yells the Japanese equivalent of timber. Timber. Which is not, everybody says, not a thing that they do anymore. God. And, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 love, I love Ida so much. He's... He's that like typical, like typical butthole, like, but like, like, <laughs> oh, I'm a man and you have to, you know, re- 
what did he say? Respect the forest. And I, like, as soon as, as soon as he did that, I was like, yes, I'm going to love you as a character. Like this is. <laughs> yeah, no, their entire relationship is so good. Also, this particular sequence um, was very educational for me because I don't know really how to cut down a tree. Um, and this yeah. seems super accurate. <laughs> so if I ever need to, now I know how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and some good shots of Ida, like, posing as he's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a uh, very majestic chainsawing. look. Like that kneeling pose he does, just looking off into the distance. Um. Yeah, he gets he gets mad or Ida gets mad at Yuki for yelling this like cartoonish thing and aggressively demonstrates uh, blowback, which is uh, when the, the chainsaw catches and then kicks back out of whatever you're cutting and uh, slices a huge gash in the in the training dummy, which startles Yuki, who then cuts himself on an axe sitting nearby and he is bleeding profusely through his from his thumb. And almost passes out, showing how what what kind of a wimp he is. Mm-hmm. Anemic, I think they specifically. Which never really yeah. comes up again, so I'm not sure if they're just saying that or if it's actually yeah. meant to be a plot point. Um, which and also notable, the the punk guy whips out a bandana to to wrap up Yuki's hand. Um, but uh. Then we get uh, Yuki calling in, checking in on his parents, kind of smiling, gives us this uh, cute little humanizing moment with him and his parents that uh, I don't think really goes anywhere. But like, lets us see that, that Yuki's not all a bad guy, I guess, that he's got some genuine emotion and, and kindness in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he, he decides that he's had enough and is about to sneak out but uh, as he gets up to the front office, he realizes that the know-it-all guy is already saying he quits and, and leaving. Uh, so that guy leaves, and Yuki decides not to tell anybody and just try to sneak out and gets a ride back to the train station from Naoki, who, once they get there and she takes off her helmet, he realizes that uh, she's the girl from the ad. And he re- it, This is another instance where, like Alex was saying, he lets out a really funny dramatic yell. Yeah, I laughed out loud. Ah! Oh! <laughs> but yeah, just the the that realization was super super comedic. But uh Naoki's not having it because she knows exactly what kind of guy he is. All these city boys coming here because they saw a cute face and think that they could do this job and then they'll just leave again. Uh so Yuki uh, the train shows up and Yuki is about to leave and then decides that now I'm going to stick this out and walks back up the, the hill or mountain to school and lays down in his bed just in time for the alarm to go off and for him to sit uh, up, which is some excellent comedic I timing. I felt so, uh, <laughs> like I felt that was like such a relatable scene. <laughs> I've, that's happened to me before. That happened to me New Year's Eve this this past year. I get I get home at like oh, five man. in the morning, and then I get a call at nine in the morning from my mom telling me, "Okay, you're where are you? You're supposed to be here for brunch." So <laughs> I I, I oh, know that man. feeling all too well. Um, so next thing we get is uh, everybody is getting their assignments, and we see that the class now only has like seven people in it, down from probably like twenty or more, 
and uh, everybody has thinned out, which uh, the the military guy is there, but also so is the the delinquent looking guy who has passed the program and gotten his assignment. Uh, so, uh, now, Yuki- I was a little confused by this because, like, they make make a point of him noticing um, her jacket as she's driving away, and that it says the name of this like particular forestry company. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he gets that, I couldn't tell if that was coincidence or if he had like requested that. He requested it because uh, yeah. the the military guy mentions to him. Uh, He's like, oh, you requested that one? That's like way up there oh, in the mountains. Right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he gets he it's he gets the Nakamura uh, logging company or whatever, and uh, it's uh, in, in a really cute scene. His teacher comes up after uh, afterwards when everybody's leaving and gives him the speech about, you know, I thought you were going to be the first one to leave, but I'm really proud of you. You stuck it out. You did great. I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you out in the forest. And then uh, he goes on to talk to the next student and starts giving the exact same speech, <laughs> uh, which is just great. And uh, then has that conversation with the military guy where he realizes that, uh, oh, this is like the most rural, difficult place I, pro- I could have picked. And uh, is, is nonplussed about that. But then Ida shows up in a, in a truck whose front end is falling apart. Uh, calling for Yuki and he realizes that oh no I've signed up with this guy so good we get this awkward uh, awkward truck ride back through the woods uh, where uh, Ida has hit a deer on his way to the place and comes back across the dead deer in the road and makes Yuki help him put it back in the in the back of the truck Mm-hmm. Uh, they get some water from a nearby stream and Ida offers it to him, but Yuki won't drink it because there's like a one centimeter across piece of a leaf in the water. Any leaf. Baby boy. Yeah. Um, Yuki asks if they should take the deer to a vet, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but, uh, but then they, they continue on driving into, uh, Kamasari village and it's super scenic and beautiful and they're driving through and they see some like old dude peeing uh just out in public off a off a ledge a bunch of ladies out at the beginning of the town playing mahjong with each other and pull up into Ida's house where we uh, meet Miki who is uh, Ida's wife who is who greets Yuki warmly and then is just super furious at Ida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yuki goes to uh, to meet his boss and along the way uh, runs across who we later learn is the, the city, uh, head of the city council who he is like does not greet or introduce himself which the councilman takes as a huge affront uh, as he's out walking his goat. And uh then goes and meets uh, uh, Nakamura, his boss, and his boss's family, and heads off to his first job and decks himself out like a total nerd in all of his safety gear. <laughs> and, and I will note that it, uh, the end of the, the kind of like assignment sequence, it does look like Yuki does give a damn about what he's doing in his work. 
because he yeah. seems kind of excited to pick up his tools and get everything ready. Yeah. But uh, kind of misappraises what what the job's actually going to be like. Um, so they they run to, they go to his first job, which it starts raining and there's a bunch of collapsed trees across the road. And uh, all of the all the other company men are already working on it, and he's witless and not sure what to do or where to go. Uh, Ida tells him to help, and then accidentally knocks him down a ravine through a bunch of mud and into some water. And uh, once he gets back up, he is bleeding and realizes uh, after he looks in his pants that he is, his lower body is covered in leeches. Um, which is a hilarious, hilarious shot as all of the, the, uh, the other workers whip out their lighters excited to help burn off the leeches <laughs> for him. <laughs> They're waiting for it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but they do that and, uh, then they're all in the, the truck heading home. He's kind of sheepish. And then the, uh, the men start singing a work song as they ride back in the back of this truck together over some incredibly beautiful scenery. Uh, then it's, uh, he's having dinner with, with Ida and Ida's wife and, uh, uh, mother, grandmother. And, uh, uh, he, he tries, Ida is feeding them the deer that he ran over, which looked like deer, deer sashimi, sashimi. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which uh, seems fine, but I don't know that I would want that from one that had been hit on the side of the road and then left there for a little while. So I can't blame him too much. But uh, but uh, Yuki gets dis- disgusted by that, and then when uh, the grandmother offers him some snake liquor, he is doubly disgusted. And it's just like having a terrible time. All of a sudden... Uh, Ida and his wife are having some kind of fight where they're yelling at each other. She rips up an ovulation calendar because they're obviously trying to have a baby. Um, and it's a running gag through this is they keep talking about things that are good to perk up your seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is part of what sets her off. And uh, they have a fight and the grandma dismisses herself uh, kind of hilariously she's like oh I guess I'll go to bed now <laughs> just kind of shuffles away um, but uh, then later on we see uh, Ida and Miki getting in the car together to drive off in the middle of the night for mysterious reasons which will soon be revealed as uh, Yuki runs downstairs to get a snack uh, accidentally drinks denture water and then is terrified by the deer head that's sitting in the kitchen and just kind of closes out the scene crying. Uh, wakes up the next day and immediately tries to leave town on his own. Uh, the children yeah. are following him, calling him the leech guy. Yeah. Got the leeches on his leeches uh, in his pants. So good. Yeah. I like yeah, small town, like once something happens, literally everybody instantly knows about it. It becomes your nickname. Mm. Uh, he he's on his way out of town. He stops by the ladies and discovers that the next town is at least two hours over by car ride. When uh, Ida shows up on his way driving out of town uh, to take uh, 
uh, Nakamura's uh, wife and kid in town for groceries. And he is very notably wearing a love hotel towel around his neck <laughs> and is very amorous with his wife. So to figure out easily where they went the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go to town as they're driving away. Uh, Nakamura's son is instructed uh, to tell, to tell everybody bye-bye which he does, and the kids just back and forth say bye-bye over and over again as they, they drive out of town. I love uh, the one kid um, uh, who turns out to be um, the, the head councilman's grandson. Uh, he's got mm-hmm. like a board on his arm, like a mega buster. Or, uh, like, yeah, that was yeah, really cute. Like they're, like they're playing, yeah. and it, it just seemed like super – Like every, there's a lot in this movie that's super grounded and really real. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like they're playing Mega Man or, or yeah. Gundam or something. Um, yeah, th- a lot of this movie, even though this movie is silly and like th- plot-wise doesn't super feel like a, a Ghibli movie, because of the setting and because of some of the the broad theming, it it in parts it feels mm-hmm. like one. Yeah, I agree. And it looks a lot like one given the setting. Uh, with just these beautiful shots of the countryside. And this scene, especially with the kids, just there's nothing really going on in this scene once they decide to go into town, but it just lingers on the kids saying bye-bye to each other over and over again as they drive out of town. And that kind of like cute little quiet moment uh, really reminded me of Ghibli movies, Uh, which I read a lot online, uh, people saying that, uh, Miyazaki himself is a fan of the book that this is based on, but I could not uh, find any actual interview where he says that. So I don't know where that information originates. Interesting. Uh, but uh, as they go into town and Ida takes Yuki to the, or Yuki to the phone place to fix his waterlogged phone. Uh, uh, Ida goes across the street to meet, uh, quote, New York, who the other workmen had alluded to earlier being the reason that his wife was mad at him, who is some, like, very Western-dressed woman across the street from the phone shop that he is very eager to meet or see. Uh Um, So kind of solving that that mystery, which his wife is mad at him for, for... for seeing this other woman, they go to the love hotel and like make up and, and try to have this baby together. And then immediately he is like back in town being a dog, which yeah, uh, it, it's not a major theme of the movie. So it doesn't like paint him in too bad of a light, but I'm just kind of like, that's kind of shitty guy. <laughs> but, uh, but I think there's a lot in this movie. That's like a, a, a kind of undercurrent of, men are men and women are women. Um, which I guess it gets a little less uh, under and more overt uh, towards the end of the movie, but we'll get there. Uh, so uh, following this, we uh, uh, on the way back, he, uh, Yuki gets kind of the filled in on the story of Naoki who had a, a boyfriend who was a city guy who would come in town to be a logger or, uh, or, or woodsman and then decided he missed the city too much and left her breaking her heart. 
And uh, that's kind of why she has that attitude towards everyone. And there's like suggestions that in this kind of rural town, being as old as she is without a husband, she's an old maid already. And uh, they kind of think of her as divorced because she had this long relationship that uh, didn't work out. Yeah, this is interesting. This is an attitude I recall very strongly from uh, a lot of the earlier Torreson movies. And it's interesting to see this kind of attitude that was, uh, you know, prevalent in the like 60s and, you know, whatever, like it's still still thriving in 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 the backwaters of Japan. Yeah, there and th- that's another theme running throughout is that these people like they they've got different attitudes towards life, but in a lot of ways they're much more traditional kind of culturally and there's a few times where they uh are, are revealed to be pretty strongly superstitious mm-hmm. and things like that where a lot of those like the traditional thinking is still alive and well in in these parts of Japan. So following that, we get some some scenes of uh, of Yuki actually doing more work and kind of learning his place uh, in in the 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 workforce, uh, planting saplings and bemoaning that they have to replant so many of them, uh, trimming branches and almost falling and everything, which uh, Ida finds hilarious and tells him to to help himself as he screams for help getting down the tree. But uh, he he seems to be getting along better with the other men, and uh, Ida has gone from outright scorn to just kind of like being playful with him, even if he thinks he's not of much use. Um, then uh, uh, Ida's uh, grandmother is taking the car, and they can't go to the Love Motel on their own, so they tell Yuki to stay somewhere else for the night. Uh. Ida hands Yuki a handful of condoms, <laughs> which like, was he just hold the, the situation is very odd in that he was clearly just had those on him to hand over. And I'm trying to figure out like what the situation was there. Mm, I guess that's, those are New York's. Yeah. That's, condoms. that's, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he, he then goes to, to He's uh, told by Ida to go flirt with Naoki to speed things along and try to stay at her place tonight. Uh, and uh, he goes to talk to her, accidentally like drops the big handful of condoms in front of her, which is not a big deal, but they, they just kind of brush past it. But Comical it's really funny. Bumbling, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like you have pockets, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like he just held those all the way there in his hand. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's really cute, and uh, it, she. Uh, it turns out that she is actually a school teacher, and she he helps her and the kids bring some stuff to to the class, and then plays dodgeball with them, which is eventually interrupted by the head councilman uh, showing up and yelling at how how rude uh, Yuki is for not introducing himself earlier or properly introducing himself once he says who he is. Like he doesn't, Yuki even after introduced is just like, Oh, Hey. <laughs> yeah. And instead of showing any kind of reverence, yeah, he's very informal. He says, Yoroshiku. <laughs> very, uh, very like, yeah, what, what up? <laughs> yeah. What up? what up old dude? <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't remember the exact, uh, the subtitle in the DVD and the Blu-ray release I have, but it, yeah, it, it got that across pretty well. Yeah. Um, 
And then uh, following that kind of faux pas, it's uh, Yuki is spending the night at his boss's house uh, because he is kind of bonded with uh, uh, Nakamura's wife and kid, and they're hanging out. And uh, as he's sitting there talking with the family and talking to his boss, he learns uh, he looks at a picture that he thinks of is of his of the uh, Nakamura. But it turns out it is Nakamura's grandfather 105 years ago doing the same family business. And we get a little lesson about uh, kind of the, the, the way this business works and that the trees that his, Nakamura's grandfather planted are the ones they're going to be cutting down. And uh, Yuki gets to cut his first tree, which uh, we see we – see Ida getting ready to cut this big, big tree and Yuki gets to cut this tiny, tiny tree, but <laughs> he's doing all the proper stuff. And there's this like weird buildup where he's super nervous and it seems like something is going to go horribly wrong. But, uh, but he eventually cuts it down and it's revealed that it's like maybe 10 feet tall. <laughs> and then, uh, Ida cuts down the big tree and, uh, once that happens, you, uh, Yuki you, has this kind of sense of awe at this and is like really into it now. Yeah, he gets mesmerized a couple times in this movie. Like he has that look on his face where he realizes, whoa, this is actually really cool. Mm. Yeah, and there's, there's, I love that there's actual like visible progression of his attitudes towards the job and everything like he, and he never seems like this is dumb stuff for babies and Hicks or anything. He's it's more that he just doesn't have a complete understanding of it. And as he gains that understanding, he gets an appreciation along with it. And I love that arc, but uh, following that they go and auction off the tree, which sells for, I think 800,000 yen. Yeah. Which is a huge amount. And he's he uh, Yuki immediately he's riding in the car with uh, Nakamura and Ida, and starts talking about how if they cut down the whole forest they'd all be millionaires, <laughs> and uh, gets this really cool lesson about uh, kind of responsible renewable uh, lifestyle. Uh, Nakamura s- talks about how if we cut down all the trees, what what will future generations do in this in this part of the country for their livelihood? all this stuff. And it's just very kind of like zoomed out, uh, thoughtful moment in the car, uh, ending with, uh, him talking about how farmers get to, to plant seeds. And then they know in a couple months how their crops did. Whereas the seeds that they plant as woodsmen will not really, they won't know how, uh, how those turned out until they're long dead. Which is uh, a little dark, but also kind of powerful. Um, uh, following that, we get another another scene of uh, Yuki and Ida kind of doing their thing off on their own. They're climbing to the top of these uh, really tall trees to get, uh, I guess, sapling buds from the the new growths on the tree. And we get these beautiful shots of them just at the top of these super tall trees outlooking the entire like valley. And it's now I'm going to assume that these are real shots, right? Like I think, I think they are. I kept like thinking about it. I'm like, this is too good looking to be 
uh, CG, like in Japan. Uh, you can no- <laughs> normally you can yeah. tell like when something is CGI'd in one of these movies, and uh, I was kind of awestruck by by uh, the type of filming they did, and and uh, just the actors or even their stunt doubles just getting up there uh, to the top of the trees. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, uh, I, even uh, on the earlier branches, like once he gets to the top of the ladder and starts climbing on the branches, I'm very afraid of heights, and it normally doesn't bother me in films. But once he uh, stepped off the ladder and just started grabbing branches, I was like, nope, nope, I could not yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought a few times about what it would have been like to see this in a big theater. You know, uh, some of those shots where it's like from where they put a camera up in the tree as it's wobbling about to fall and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, could have possibly like given me for real vertigo and stuff. Yeah. I think like uh, it's pretty, pretty impressive and very intense looking. Yeah. It's uh, there's not a ton of like super fancy cinematography or like particularly like complex composed shots, but the movie is a lot of it is like the natural beauty of rural Japan just comes through so vividly. But uh, some of these shots, like the one with the two of them sitting in the trees as they sway back and forth are just uh, super gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as they've climbed all the way to the top of these trees, uh, it's uh, and are gathering these, uh, these buds, they realize it's lunchtime and Ida sends uh, Yuki all the way back down to get lunch so he doesn't have to get, climb the tree again. Only to realize that they uh, do not, don't have lunch because Miki didn't pack it. But she has sent, in the meantime, she sent uh, Naoki to bring the lunch to them, who has been kind of waiting there quietly watching them this whole time because they didn't hear her yelling. And uh, Yuki and Naoki get Uh, have lunch together and share some nice quiet moments in the woods. Uh, Yuki at one point leaves an offering at a a statue of a, of a goddess in the woods that he runs across as he's getting them water, which I think is, is really cute and, and definitely shows a kind of sign of growth and respect Uh for the, for everything that he did not have earlier in the film. And uh, they, it starts to rain and they get in the truck together and start to share a moment when uh, uh, Yuki is kind of boorish and says something dumb, he probably shouldn't bring up her uh, her ex-partner, which she seems to take in stride at first, but the more they talk about it, and like you said, that he like raps about city life, and he's like, what's so bad about the city? Why wouldn't you just move back there with him? Uh, and she realizes that he is still this this city boy deep down and uh, gets mad at him all over again. Yeah. I think kind of realizing that if she did fall for him, he might leave too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we, uh, from there, uh, Yuki go eventually goes and gets his phone back, gets a call from him, from Raina, his, uh, his ex-girlfriend who is, uh, was a green club. Uh, but they, they ask if they can come like learn about forestry and what they're doing out there. 
through uh, Yuki, who invites Reina and her friends to come visit. And I've got real mixed feelings about this next sequence. Um, because uh, all, Reina and her friends show up, and they are the same, like, they're wearing all these, like, super weird, loud clothes, bright colors and everything. They are wearing too much protective clothing and spray themselves down with bug spray and do all the kind of like goofy stuff that Yuki did when he first showed up, uh, showing that they're still like the, the city kids. And it's, it's a weird sequence because they show both some genuine interest and like laughing at, at folksy country life at the same yeah, time. Like how quaint kind of, but in like right in front of people's faces, like they don't, there's a weird disconnect. Like they don't realize that the the people are real people and they're doing hard work and stuff. I don't yeah. know. But at the same time, most of the woodsmen that they're doing this with don't seem to mind or care and yeah. are like kind of excited that there are people out here uh, doing this, which is why I have the mixed feelings. Cause I'm like, they're being, it, it, they're crossing a line into being disrespectful, but it also doesn't seem like anybody actually minds except for Ida and, and Yuki. So Yuki eventually explodes in, in anger and throws away their SD card from the camera and uh, yells at them to get out of there, which is an awkward scene. Cause like I said, everybody else seemed to be having an okay time, but <laughs> everybody's in silence. But then like Ida sees this and just a, a smile creeps along his face as he's like, yes, yes. Good. A commercial like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seemed like they were gen- genuinely interested in what was going on, but, you know, they just didn't have any manners. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, they, they didn't, should have shown, like, some amount of reverence for what was going on. But I mean, like, yeah. who's to know that unless you're living that lifestyle? Like, like exactly. you know, Yuki's only been there for a little bit, but he's already gotten into experience, uh, experience that and uh, adopted mm. it into his own lifestyle. Um, uh, so following that, we cut to more scenes of, of Yuki working in the forest and he's at this point, he seems completely accepted by the rest of the workers and by, by Ida, who is like happy with him. Now he, at one point he, uh, uh, smells a branch that he has taken from a tree and it just kind of like seems real satisfied with himself. And, uh, he himself starts leading the men in uh in their little work song as they're riding in the truck and it starts to snow which uh uh zuki means snow all oh, right a little rusty but uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah they don't they don't do a lot with that but it's uh but it's a, a neat little thing especially when uh naoki realizes it's snowing and all the kids are uh are uh, at the window yelling yukio uh, kind of like saying his name. Once it once it's snowing, they they work some more and eventually call it off and go to a festival planning meeting held by the city council uh, where all of the the workers in the city council both show up to talk about this grand festival that's happening for the first time in 48 years. And everybody has their name cards that, that they 
flip over to show that they're present and uh, Yuki is not officially one of the men there so he doesn't have one but is uh, is brought into the meeting anyway the uh, the city council folks uh, are very skeptical at first especially the head councilman who has already had all these bad run-ins with him and uh, brings up the this one of the scenes where they get uh, superstitious saying that like he, he might, his presence at the festival might displease the goddess because he doesn't, he's not one of them. And everybody, and he's like, Oh, that's just superstition. And then everybody in the room is like, ah, yes, this is, this is a serious concern. Uh-huh. Um, but, but in kind of a touching moment, uh, first uh, uh, his boss Nakamura kind of vouches for him but then more importantly uh Ida goes into this diatribe about how he's slow and shitty at his job and Yuki is just this kind of worthless guy but then caps it all off saying but he's a he's a true mountain man vouching for his presence there which uh after after that kind of outpouring the councilman still seems skeptical but he's like okay and uh, then we get this uh, beautiful sequence of the snow thawing throughout the entire village. And the, I like the, uh, the time-lapse photography in this, which is really pretty. Yeah, yeah. It really uh, made me wonder how long they'd been filming this for, you know. Which, yeah, I wondered if that was, like, stock from some nature documentary or something, which yeah. seems likely. But yeah. they could have set those, those up on their own. Um, very cool. Chad, super beautiful. I should note that, uh, and as part of that realism, this was all shot on location in uh, Mie Prefecture, which is, uh, I think, in the uh, Kansai region, okay. uh, west of of Tokyo, in uh, uh, Osaka kind of area. Um. And uh, the, the film was also officially endorsed by the uh, uh, governmental, like, n- nature and forestry bodies. Hmm. So. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, after the, after the, the we get a thawing sequence, we see Ida and Yuki fishing together with the village kids. They're all hanging out together. Just all the boys having boys' time. And... Uh, and Ida is telling Yuki about the story of the goddess. And this is, no one can go in the forest on that day because that's the day that the goddess counts all of her trees. And if anybody is, any person is caught in the forest, that they get counted as a tree and uh, bad things happen. It's kind of telling him this, like both, both the, the reason for the, the day off and also trying to scare him with this ghost story as mm-hmm. he ties him up in a knot uh, Naoki pops by and yells at the kids for playing with fire. Uh, the kids then taunt her pretty savagely, uh, repeating all the stuff about her being an old maid and like being a shrew and all this bad stuff. She gets real upset and, and runs off. And uh, I, I really love at one point uh, uh, the kids are like, "That's just what uh, that's just what Yoki says about you." And he's like, I, I did not. Ida, in this case, I guess. So we don't get yeah. mixed up. 
Yeah, so we don't get him confused. Yeah, I just say that because they specifically name him as as uh, Yoki. But yeah, they 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 blame Ida on it, and then uh, uh, Kinji, the councilman's, uh, after being admonished, the councilman's grandson Kinji is like, "Well, it's true." He's just a, a super little shit. But after they're commanded to go apologize, Kinji kind of wanders off, following a beetle, and runs into the forest, and. Uh, Gets everybody realizes that he's lost, and a little while later, uh, the entire village is up in arms, making a search party to try to find Kenji because they they know he's in the forest, but they don't know where he is. And uh, I like this sequence a lot, as they're all because uh, they're not supposed to be in the forest on this day. They're doing it with a great amount of reverence. The forest is actually roped off at this point with the uh, with sacred sacred ropes, and they're all like purifying themselves and make show of as they walk into the forest. They place all of their axes and things on a mat in front of the forest as a show of like we're not here to cut down trees. Yeah, and uh, and then we get this like short scene of magical realism as everybody is. Uh, doing a big kind of line search through the forest. Fog rolls in where they can't see anything. And Yuki is led by the hand, presumably by the goddess of the mountain in the forest to where Kinji is way at the top of the mountain, way far away from everybody else. But, uh, but finds him without really thinking about it. And uh, even though it's a super bizarre, supernatural thing, um, as part of this, he's he's being led by the hand, and he keeps asking if it's Naoki. But uh, when the hand pulls away, there's like a few grains of rice on his hand, which I don't know uh, what specifically that would uh, any any lore well, that pertain the, to. He, he gave the rice ball to oh. the statue to the shrine. Uh, there we go. Earlier. Yeah, I was, yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I actually saw that coming a little bit. Uh, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, well, he's going to go in after the kid and not get, you know, spirited away, so to speak, because he gave an offering. Yeah, I, I noticed those two things, but I somehow did not put those together. But yeah, that yeah. that's excellent. So yeah, showing that, like, because of this uh, kindness, she's repaying it. Yeah, that's awesome. But uh, he, he rescues... Uh, Kinji and and brings him back down the mountain to everybody's surprise and welcome and kind of like secures his good graces with the uh, the elder councilman because of that because of Kinji is his grandson. Everybody's celebrating, and then we there's this comical scene where he's got a giant snake hanging from his ear all of a sudden. Uh, it's the worst. I mean, it's a good joke, <laughs> but I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little too cartoony. No, uh, I I I like it. I just don't like. I mean, I just am personally creeped out by snakes. So, uh, oh, I see. Just really like when I saw it, I was just like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's like the fake. But I think it's a really great, effective, funny. Yeah, joke. it's like the fake. It's super fake snake. rubber snake. Yeah, yeah, it's like flipping. It's not around. even like long. Either. I love. <laughs> Well, pit the 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 pit vipers aren't necessarily super long, but it's just so clearly just a fake rubber snake. It's so goofy. Uh, but there, he, as he's uh, passing out from the venom, he's like, "Well, I 
I guess is it goodbye, everybody. And they're like, good thing the ambulances are already here. <laughs> um, then uh, cut forward, uh, the, the councilman's family and Kenji's family are all there at the house giving thanks. But Miki told them that Yuki was still asleep and resting. Uh, and then uh, even though he was up, but then now he comes to talk to him. And they kind of uh, uh, share a moment together, and we get this gross scene of his big dangly ear going on. Yeah, yeah no, it's so totally good. just like a weird, gross scrotum ear. <laughs> like the lobe of it, yeah. Um, which has yeah, super gross. Uh, but <laughs> He's kind of flicking it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, Yuki and Naoki kind of like make up together. And then uh, we're, we're fast forwarded to the festival. Oh, well, really quick. Uh, during that scene, she makes note of something that uh, a recurring thing that he says throughout the movie, like uh, he's counting down the days. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause he's only there for a year. So throughout the movie, he counts down the days, uh, you know, until he can leave or, you know, until his stint uh, as an apprentice is up. Um, and then she asks him, like, yeah, so you're pretty, uh, you're pretty close to leaving, right? How many days? He's like, uh, pff, I don't know. And it's the first time in the movie that, like, he's not, like, concerned about that. Uh, I think it, that's, I, f- for whatever reason, forgot to put that in my notes. But that scene is super telling, both that he isn't even thinking about how many days he has left anymore, and that she knows exactly how many days he has left. So she's been like counting them down because she doesn't want him to leave mm-hmm. and is worried about that approaching day. And so like, even though he doesn't know, she tells him it's like 16 days or whatever. Uh, so that that's very telling on both ends of, of that relationship. Like that, that he has kind of like lost himself in this setting and that, she cares more about him that than she has been willing to let on. Um, yeah, so, so we go to the festival and he, nobody will tell Yuki what this festival is or what he's actually doing, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the women are all like cooking and getting food ready and, and getting other, other preparations done while the men are all running around in, uh, in, uh, is it Fendoshi? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just running around mostly naked, cleansing themselves, getting ready for this walk up the mountain. Um, uh, and I really like the scene. It's in all the trailers where they're uh, cleansing themselves in front of with a, a cold water splash out of a a, a basin, and then uh, Yuki complains that it's too cold, and Ida just kicks him right into the water. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's plus the like thing that you were saying about them not telling him what this is about. It's definitely showing that he's like adopted this like little brother role for the whole mm-hmm. town. You know, not yeah. just for Ida. Uh, they all kind of like messing with him. This entire sequence, actually, uh, it's so funny that you uh, mentioned the Ghibli comparison earlier because this reminds me of something that would be out of like a Ghibli movie and just him just kicking him in the basin and just nobody giving a shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
or the the scene prior to that where I can't remember what it what the thing actually kicks it off, but he says something and then everybody starts laughing and then everybody like everybody in the room just starts pointedly laughing really hard and really loud while he just kind of stands there confused. Um, uh, but then then after that is this really that. The one like weird out of place shot of like slow motion of all of them walking super seriously towards flickering firelight as like steam rises off of them. Like this is super serious and feels like it's from another movie, but it is kind of like there's a little reverence in what's going on here. Um, As they uh, as they're making their way up up this path, he's reunited with the military guy. And the delinquent guy from from the class, who I guess are the only, the three of them are the only ones that actually made it through the education program and made it through the entire year of the kind of uh, internship part. But uh, they're all excited to see each other and just just like that sound of just slapping meat as they all like (laughs) slap each other on the shoulders and the ass and everything is, is really comical. It was nice to see them again, because as I mentioned, I was a little like thrown aback that we got to kind of know these characters very briefly and then didn't end up spending much time with them. So it was kind of nice to revisit them a little bit. I did like that it was those two specifically, like the the uh, military guy is somebody who you would uh, kind of expect to excel in the program, but that the I, I really like that the delinquent looking guy was the other one who was like super serious about the yeah, job. The bandana, yeah. he gives him the bandana. Yeah, the island of you. Um, yes, the Isle of you. I don't know. Uh, I, I was not able to surmise the any significance out of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, as as they're walking up the mountain. Yuki gets distracted by a call who he's, he's told that it's something serious from his mother about his father. And he rushes back to the, to take the phone call only to find out that his parent, his mother is asking whether he wants ketchup or gravy with, with his meal when he gets back home. And he's like, what he gets so mad and immediately just like slams the phone down. <laughs> um, but now yeah, he's I for worried. sure felt the real drama of him rushing back expecting. Oh yeah, to me too. Like, I was like, oh no, this movie has been so like kind and gentle, and something terrible is going to happen now. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it turned out to be just this nothing thing. Which there are other parts of the movie, like when he's cutting down his first tree, or a couple of other movies parts of the movie where I felt this like palpable tension, like oh no, something bad is going to happen mm-hmm. because. Uh, cutting wood is a v- extremely dangerous job. Mm-hmm. But uh, while that tension is there in those moments, it's not something that the movie ever goes down, thankfully, because that's not what the movie's about. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's he's got to get to the top of the mountain by sunrise, which he's never going to do. And uh, Naoki finally decides that, or uh, Naoki realizes that she'll just drive him up on her, on her uh, uh, motorcycle. And uh, there's a real like there's there's not a lot of body stuff in the movie, but at one point there, uh, as they're riding through the woods in the dark, she says something's rubbing, and uh, and he says, "I'm sorry, I'm just wearing this loincloth." <laughs> yeah. And uh, to my confusion, instead of just dropping him off once she got to the back of the line, she drives him all the way up to the very top, 
which I feel like is kind of against the spirit of what they're doing, but nobody seems to complain too much except that there is a woman in their midst all of a sudden who she kind of looks around awkwardly. Somebody's uh, uh, Fundoshi very clearly flexes and she's like, I'm out. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, women aren't supposed to be here. Zoom. And uh, from there we get this really cool scene of them. Uh, they walk up to this gigantic thick tree, which they, uh, the, uh, the uh, Nakamura reads a, a blessing for as the sun rises. And it's just a really cool shot. And uh, they, then uh, uh, Nakamura and his men get to work cutting down this gigantic ancient tree and we uh, it slowly comes into focus what this is all about uh, they kind of like trim the front down and all of a sudden it looks like a big penis and <laughs> way down at the bottom of the mountain down a ramp is uh, some straw things that Yuki had been asking about earlier which we now see is a straw vagina it's a huge it's just it's just a big vagina like it can't be. Yeah. Any, it literally can't be anything else. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's great because like at the bottom of it, all the townsfolk, like all the women, are are sitting around it, like with like you know lawn chairs and stuff like that, just sitting around a giant vagina, and it's <laughs> it, and it, it's 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 ridiculous. Like and kids are around there too, so uh, it's such a it's such a funny thing when you consider like you know the country that we're from, where. Uh, sex is such a taboo thing for basically all ages. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you see this, this tiny village in the middle of nowhere, Japan, uh, where, uh, yeah, this is just a thing we do. It's a giant vagina. We're yeah, ram which... a giant wooden penis into this giant straw vagina. Yeah, yeah they're, they're just much more honor- honest about their kind of fertility rituals in Japan than we are over here with our weird, like, Easter egg nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's just like a wholesome regular thing over there. It's not, I mean, it is overtly sexual, but it's, it's a kind of different attitude towards sex. Yeah. It signifies a bunch of things. Like it, it's not just about sex. It's about, you know, the, like you said, uh, fertility of not just the town, but the planet, like the, just the area, like the, the woods. Yeah. Not, not just like, uh, eventually once it gets down there, all the women rush up to touch it because they want personal fertility. But like you said, it's, and, and like everybody was concerned with like talking about the, the goddess or whatever of, of this area that this is a ritual. This is an area that without fertility of the land, these jobs don't exist. So it's not just for the people it's, it's for the trees, it's for the lands, for everything around them. Yep. Um, but, uh, it, it, we get this great sequence of them like sawing or cutting down the tree. And it's, it's, this is, I think as the tree falls, I think this is the only dodgy bit of CG in the whole movie aside from the actual like ride down, which is hilariously bad, <laughs> but this is the only part where I'm like, I, I kind of wish that this wasn't CG, but I don't, I don't know the logistics of them finding a tree actually that big to cut down and film. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, they trim it into this penis shape and they're pushing it to this ramp when Yuki gets his foot caught up in the ropes and, 
uh, Ida's quick thinking is to just tell him to climb on top and write it down. And we see him uh, finally do this single hand knot tie that he has been, he struggled with in training. And it's also the one that he was completely screwing up when Ida was telling him about the goddess. And he just effortlessly does it in this moment of, of <laughs> kind of a crisis. And then we get a bunch of really goofy shots of him riding this giant penis log down this super huge ramp <laughs> in really dodgy, bad CGI. And it's so glorious. That's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and eventually he gets down to the bottom and all the women, which uh, the, the women are like, oh no, this is going to come crashing in. And I'm like, why did you set your chairs up so close to begin with? You yeah, knew this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they all panic and there's lots of drama and he eventually like comes crashing into the straw vagina. Uh, the log goes vertical for a second, which is super scary because he's strapped into it. And then it uh, comes back down uh properly and everybody is wildly cheering and excited and running up to to touch the tree and all this stuff and the men at the top are all yelling bonsai over and over again <laughs> which is super cute it's just this beautiful scene of triumph uh as, as we zoom out and uh next we zoom ahead to the uh yuki at the train station with uh, Ida's family uh, uh, there and uh, Naoki is the, the notable omission from this scene but everybody is kind of uh, tearful and uh, telling goodbye uh, uh, Nakamura's uh, little little kid is there just bawling his eyes out because of how much he li- he is grown to like Yuki yeah, he can't even say anything. He just is crying. It's yeah, like, he's just wailing, which is is also how we first met him. Yeah, but, uh, Santa. Yeah, yeah, Santa. Uh, which I, I think it's funny how he uh, Yuki is like the little brother to to all of the actual woodsmen, but he's kind of a big brother to Santa. Yeah, it's really cute. Um. Uh, so everybody is saying their goodbyes. Uh, it is grandma gives Yuki a bottle of snake liquor. Of course. And, and then, uh, the big burly mountain man, Ida is just like himself tearing up and crying and goes to knock Yuki on the head, but then transitions it into a hug. And we get this really moving moment of them, like just embracing in this, this warm moment of brotherhood. And he's genuinely sad when normally he's like, we just see, anger or kind of bemusement. This is some like serious emotion from him. Uh-huh. And, uh, the train shows up and now he's still not there. Uh, and Yuki gets on the train as it's leaving. Now drives her motorcycle up rushing to part of the tracks that she can still see and holds up the Isle of you, uh, handkerchief that she got earlier from him to dry off. And we get a call back to the little kid bye-bye scene as she says, uh, uh, yells goodbye to him and he yells it back and they just go back and forth and back and forth uh, until it's yeah. out of, out of range. And it's just super cute and sweet and really sad. And, uh, then, so Yuki gets back to the big city and we see it's the, the camera on his chest again. Um, uh, 
as he navigates through the city, but whereas effortlessly at the beginning of the movie, he's now kind of like stumbling through the city, getting bumped by everybody because he's gotten so used to the slower pace of country life Mm -hmm. and everybody else is just uh, sharks swimming through this water and, and running over him. And he gets home, hears his parents and is kind of double thinking about going inside. And when all of a sudden he smells something and leaves the snake liquor as his parents door as he wanders off. And the thing he smells is fresh lumber as they're building a new house, which is something that they've talked about earlier in the movie, how like this is an important job because if they didn't do this, people wouldn't have, have homes to live in. Yeah. For a second there, I thought it was specifically Nakamura wood. Uh, when they're selling the lumber, um, mm-hmm. from, from uh, the first job that, that Yuki is on in the beginning, uh, everybody's like, Oh, this is Nakamura wood. And they keep on bidding and they're, they're smelling it. And, they, uh, they remark on how pungent it is. And mm-hmm. uh, so for a second there, I, I thought like, ah, he, he knows what kind of wood it is because he's yeah. only But uh, it could just be the fact that like, oh, yeah, well, he, he's he's a woodsman now. So naturally he'll, he'll come to that. I guess you can take it he both gravitated, ways. But yeah, I actually, the, when he first gets there, there's a bunch of uh, construction company related signs lining the site and I was trying to see if any of them had the said Nakamura wood on them but I couldn't tell and I uh, unfortunately did not go back to like freeze frame and double check um, but uh, but with that he kind of just grins to himself uh, his uh, parents go and are lamenting that he's so late and they go to open the door and are terrified to find the snake liquor at the door. <laughs> and uh, then we cut to a shot of Yuki back on the train, heading back to uh, Kamisari village, uh, smiling as he s- leans out the window to smell the trees and look at the countryside. And you get one last shot looking at the mountainside full of trees. And the film ends as uh, kind of mini epilogue rolls over the credits of uh, Miki is now pregnant with Ida, and they're both smiling. And Yuki is living with Naoki, and everybody's having a great time. Except, I guess, for his parents, who he refused to talk to while he was back in town. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of just <laughs> leave, leaves them. <laughs> yeah, they're wondering where he was. Very rude. I mean, I would have at least said like, "Hey, good to see you guys," but I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least just like stop in and say hi to your parents before you dip out. But uh. But yeah, it's a really cute ending that he like. I, I think it's a lot stronger that we get the kind of epilogue over the credits to be like, yeah, everybody is happy. And instead of like everybody being mad at him for being a dick for leaving before he decided to come back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, and like this movie was just so cute. Everybody in it is so likable. Performances are great. I was, I, I knew about, uh, the uh, the director I heard about Swing Girls and Water Boys before, but I had not heard of this movie. And I'm uh, thanks again to uh, Jason Rainey for for suggesting this because I it was not on my radar at all, and I just super enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, it was I watched joy to watch that. Yeah, yeah, this yeah is, and I watched it with my wife, who also really liked it. Yeah, this is a. Uh... This is kind of why I wanted to start the podcast so I could, you know, watch movies I've never seen before. Uh, 
and it's it's cool that um you know we we're 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 getting to watch and and talk about a movie that none of us had had seen or even like heard of uh that's that's like the cool thing i think about this yeah yeah another thing that was cool about this choice is that you know as much as i love uh the sort of classic era of japanese movies like this one's from 2014 so i think it's the most recent movie we've watched it is yeah it's like it was really nice to kind of get something so modern after covering a few classics in a row and and i i was kind of reflecting on that and 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 not only that though i think I was thinking like, well, what was a recent movie we watched? And I was like, well, we watched um, uh, Dead or Alive, which is from the nineties. Well, you know, story. it's not too and Fish Story, um, but like Fish Story, maybe less so. But like, I still the last few movies, including Dead or Alive, were like just pretty heavy, and it was kind of nice to get this sort of yeah. like light breath of fresh air, uh, yeah. both <laughs> literally and figuratively. You know, with with such a beautiful environments and stuff yeah it did it did really feel like a slice of life type ghibli movie kind of like like whisper of the heart or um up on poppy hill like one of those like yeah i feel more happens in this than a ghibli movie because there is an actual character arc <laughs> yeah that's true where where like he goes from being he doesn't really want to be there and gains an appreciation whereas most ghibli protagonists are like Yes, this is a good place I want to be, and then they go there, and then it is. So yeah. Um, well, uh, I guess a movie, uh, an anime movie that this did remind me of is Summer Wars, uh, just because yeah. they both take place in like you know really rural Japan, and they focus kind of around a, to- a really tight knit group of people, and that's the thing I enjoyed watching about Summer Wars, uh, you know, versus the big you know internet you know satellite's gonna kill everybody subplot <laughs> uh but i think the real heart of that movie is is you know the the really eccentric eccentric family that that the main character stays with and i think that uh, the same can be said about this movie uh, i really loved like that sense of community um and you could really get a, a feel of exactly how much and when he was starting to appreciate it. Yeah. For anybody listening to this who hasn't seen the movie, I, I can't stress enough how like enjoyable it, that it is. And the, our synopsis really does not fully capture the kind of like small, frequently wordless interactions that he has with a lot of the other workers and village people. Uh-huh. But all of them are, there's just so much done with a lot of these small moments and uh, gives you a real appreciation for this kind of small town life and the relationships that grow there. Um, I was was also really impressed. Like a thing that I loved about it too, is that there's this sort of like light sprinkling of uh, surprising elements, like that supernatural element in the woods and like, and that whole last sequence of him, like writing down on the, giant log and stuff yeah i was shocked that that was happening i couldn't believe it because uh it is such a grounded movie that just giving us a little bit of those kind of crazy uh out of left field moments um didn't take away from the realism at all but like um was 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 a kind of fun variety of stuff so it wasn't just him sitting around in a village you know yeah exactly um, 
before we go, did you guys have any favorite scenes that you wanted to to revisit or talk about, or any just favorite parts of the movie, not specifically scenes? Uh, it's hard for me to pin down a favorite scene in the movie because I love this movie as a whole. I thought it was very cute. Um, there's nothing about this movie that I didn't like. Uh, it didn't it didn't like slow down to a crawl or um, just have any moments that I thought were off. Uh, what I really loved the most, I think, were any moment where he's interacting with Yoki, with Ida, rather. Um, seeing their their mentor-protege relationship blossom uh, really was really awesome, and, and it it hit it hit home at the end for me, like when when uh, they're all giving their goodbyes and 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 Ida starts crying and gives him a huge hug, as opposed to just being like, "I'm not crying," or saying something like. You know, real men cry. He just goes over and gives him a huge hug, uh, which I thought was really nice. Um, yeah. Uh, and I loved, I loved, I really loved the uh, the dodgeball scene. Actually, mm. um, I loved the scene where where he comes in and uh, starts playing with the kids. Like uh, Naoki gives him all the stuff to take, or no, I'm sorry, all these little girls give him stuff to take, and yeah. he just starts following them. Like, oh, leech, it's you. It's the guy with the leech on his butt. Like, like they all just oh, yeah, keep I forgot to, that. to highlight that, that yeah. they all just call him leech. Like all the kids, literally every single kid calls him the guy with the leech. Leeches in his pants, and and not even like a joking way. That's just what they know him by. And uh, well, I think at one point he actually like bonks Santa on the head for calling him that. Yeah, it's super good. <laughs> um, that and I, I, I have so many scenes, but uh, I love the scene also where he's staying at. Um, at uh, at his boss's house for the night, uh, and, yeah. and it, you get to see that uh, th- them kind of interact as like a like you know that's basically his host family kind of uh, teaching him the ways of of uh, of the region and stuff, and it was it was really cute to see. Uh, just a, there was a lot of development happening there that I really liked, and the kid who I- plays Santa is really cute. Uh, he, um, uh, it really felt like a, just a real little kid, just, just, uh, you know, letting Yuki know. Yeah. The kids are actually really good addition to this movie. And, uh, for his boss, I, I really like how his, uh, Ida is, is the one that, that gets to be kind of gruff towards him, but everybody else seems to be polite to pretty welcoming, but especially his boss who is like, excited to tell people about forestry and excited for Yuki to learn about it. Uh, Joe, you're about to say something. Hmm. Uh, I don't remember what specifically, but as far as like favorite scenes, um, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, I did, I think probably my favorite part is also just the sort of like great character interactions and stuff, but I did want to highlight again, uh, that scene of, Yuki in the woods being led by, you know, probably a forest spirit. Just because I thought that that was really, I was really impressed with how that was done. It's it's such a small part of the movie and so, like, um, kind of unobtrusive to the reality of it um, that you could even read it as just kind of like, that. oh, that was all in his mind or something like that. But um, I was also very impressed uh, with how it, it like ties back to that moment that he left the rice ball because that also seemed at the time uh, like a very early moment of him having a genuine 
uh, you know, genuine feelings about the woods and everything. So uh, I just I just really liked that and thought that that was really well done and paid off in a in a fun way. Yeah, yeah, it was really enjoyable. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the scenery. Actually, I thought it was very beautiful. Like if it, like part of part of this movie's charm, I think, is just it's a great movie to look at because of the scenery and the location. Uh, it reminded me of when I visited uh, when I visited Kyoto, and I took a day trip about a half hour north uh, by train, and I hiked up uh, this mountain, uh, Mount Karama, and it was just kind of in the middle of nowhere, uh, and there's a temple and a hot spring, and that's basically it. And I just spent like two hours hiking up this mountain. It was just like very peaceful and nothing, not, not like not like anything I've ever seen before. And it kind of reminded me of, of that, just being in, just being in the middle of nowhere woods, but just very, uh, very tranquil, and uh, knowing that like there are people who do live up here and have their own like way of life and stuff, and it's, uh, it's it's very, uh, very cool to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say my favorite part of the movie was the, like as my, I enjoyed the movie a lot, but I was just captivated by how beautiful the scenery was. And I, all three of us have been to Japan. I don't know if Joey's been to any rural areas while he was there, but like, as as soon as the movie ended, my wife looked at me and was like, "Let's go back to Japan," because <laughs> it really is just that gorgeous. And having grown up in uh, in Georgia my entire life, I've got a, a lot of affinity for green places, and like as green as places are around here, like. Japan is just like captivatingly different with with how lush everything yeah. appears. Yeah, super gorgeous. Um, yeah, very impressive. Just there was also that that location where there was a sort of clearing. There's a big forest, and then there was sort of a clearing where you could see a bunch of the trunks. Where elsewhere it was all just green. Mm-hmm. Uh, that left a big impact on me too. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else? There's one one note I have that I hadn't covered, which was a part where the music stood out a lot uh, to me uh, in that scene where uh, I think it's right before like Yuki is first is kind of brought on his first job and slips down and goes into the mud and stuff. There's this yeah. great scene of he's in the truck and uh, Ida is kind of like racing off in the distance to like run up and join them. Oh yeah. And there's this really great, like, taiko-type drum, like, kind of tribal-sounding drumming that I was like, yeah, this is really cool. Uh, I think otherwise the, like, music is that sort of, like, pan flutey wooden recorder kind of oh, Hobbit, Hobbit yeah. Shire music. Yeah, it yeah, was, like, Amy, Celtic. Okay. Like. Yeah, that's, that's, that was Amy's comment, that she was like, this... This should be if this movie was set in Ireland. What this movie should, what this music should yeah. be, not for Japan. <laughs> I, I think it. I think it. It fits with the sort of like, oh, look at the majesty of nature vibe. Yeah, you know, it doesn't like specifically appeal to me. Like, I wouldn't listen to the soundtrack uh, personally, but like, I thought it. I thought it was good. It did. It did stand out occasionally as being weirdly, yeah, like Irish or hobbity or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Before we move on, I'd, I'd uh, like to reiterate, we've mentioned on the Twitter, but this movie doesn't have an official American release. 
uh, right now. But because thankfully Japan and the U.S. are in the same uh, Blu-ray region, you can just import the Japanese Blu-ray and it handily has uh, English subtitles on it. So you can just find that pretty easily on Amazon for about $30. Yeah, I think I might buy a copy myself, actually. (laughs) And yeah, the the quality on that Blu-ray is amazing. Yeah, and that's pretty, you know, cheap for a Japanese DVD, (laughs) for importing a Japanese DVD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, did anybody else have any, any more thoughts? No, that covers it for me. All right. Well, uh, moving on, uh, Alex, why don't you tell us what we're doing next month? Yeah. So this is a movie I've wanted to talk about for, uh, since I guess we started, uh, the podcast. It's, um, it's, a shark skin man and peach hip girl directed by Katsuhito Ishii and starring, uh, C.A. Koinata and one of my favorites, Tadanobu Asano. And uh, it's an incredibly stylish uh, gangster movie. Uh, it's and it's pretty. It's pretty wild. Uh, I love it aesthetically, and I hope that you will too. <laughs> cool. I have not seen this one. I've seen the, you know, the DVD case or whatever <laughs> like image on like back in the day Netflix. You know, when Netflix had or when I subscribed to the physical DVDs uh, on Netflix, I would see this one pop up occasionally and be like, oh, that looks pretty cool, but I have not yet seen it. Uh, And I have seen it a long time ago and don't remember much of it. So excited (laughs) to revisit. All right. Uh, Well, uh, uh, if you, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to uh, rate and review it. Let us know. If you didn't like this podcast, let us know why. Uh, we would love some feedback. Um, uh, you can, if you want to give that to me personally, I am at Vriska Chat on Twitter, V R I S K A Chat. Uh, hit me up if you want to talk about Japanese film or video games or any other nerdy pursuits. Uh, Joey, where can everybody find you? Uh, they can find me at Joey Weiser. Uh on Twitter or joeyweiser.tumblr.com where I talk about my uh, career as a cartoonist. Um, I just completed a five-volume graphic novel series called Merman, uh, published by Oni Press, uh, which is out in hardcover and um, coming out uh, every you know few months in hard or in softcover as well. So uh, keep an eye out on that. Um, and then, uh, Alex, uh, where can they find you? And then I'll wrap up with the Toho Yaros plugs. Of course. Uh, well, you can always find me on Twitter, and I mean always, uh, at dude exclamation, all one word. Um, uh, you can also use that handle on several other uh, social media platforms like Instagram and Tumblr. I'm on that as well. And uh, occasionally I can be heard on the One Piece podcast every week. Uh, not so much these days because I've been busy with uh, improv out, you know, outside of stuff. So if, you, uh, if you're ever in the D.C. area, and you want to see me do improv, um, I'm on a Herald team called Richie, and I'm on an indie team called The Female Accent. So come check us out. I will be at Oticon with the One Piece podcast and Super Art Fight, another thing I do. So uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully by the time you hear this, Oticon um, is, is within your means of going, <laughs> or if you're already going, <laughs> uh, come and say hi. Um, and, uh, yeah, as Scott was saying, uh, please, uh, feedback is great. You can follow us on Twitter at Toho Yara or like us on Facebook, uh, 
Facebook, we just kind of announced the upcoming movies or that we're watching and, and, and put out a post whenever an episode drops. So you can comment on those, let us know what you think, or uh, give us suggestions for movies you'd like to see or, or things you'd like us to talk about about a particular movie after we announce it. And uh, Twitter, uh, I try to keep up with any sort of uh, Japanese movie news that uh, that seems interesting uh, to me and what I would think was interesting to our listeners. And um, we're starting to get a little bit more feedback on that, which is really fun to kind of interact with people and talk about uh, what's going on and, and what they like about Japanese movies and stuff. So, yeah, uh, give us a follow, please. Yeah, and once again, uh, we're always taking suggestions and uh, would love to hear anything that might not be on our radar that you guys really like. So might be another hidden gem like this one. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will catch you next month with uh, Sharkskin Man, PJ Girl. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.